Thanks, babe. By the way, she's my spouse, so I, I don't call all our staff babe. <laughs> That'd be kind of weird. Welcome. How you guys doing? Can I tell you a funny story real quick? <laughs> last night, um, last night, me and my wife, we do. We have a lake by our house, and so we try to walk around. And <laughs> we uh, started a little late. Service had uh, ended, and we got dinner late. And so it was. It was dark. It was about eight forty-five at this time. And. And uh, she had texted her, are we going? And I said, I, it's kind of dark. Are you okay with going? And she started teasing me. She's like, okay, little boy. Like, you know, you need a light with you. I'll hold your hand. And I'm like, okay, fine. We'll go, okay. And uh, so we get on this uh, journey and we're kind of going around the lake. And if you've ever been around a lake around that time, there's lots of bugs and stuff. And uh, bats love bugs. <laughs> And uh, we started seeing them swoop down and come, you know, do this and that. And, and she starts ducking and diving and she's, she's getting real nervous. And so being the loving husband that I am, uh, I reached around and grabbed her ear like that. And <laughs> if you've ever seen the Friends episode of Phoebe running, uh, that was my wife the other day, last night. So uh, it's good to be here. You guys ready for this? Come on. Everyone say Philippians. Starting a new series about uh, from the book of Philippians, and it's uh, a place uh, in modern Greece. It actually uh, is a, a city at that time that was doing really well. Uh, it had no really com big complaints or big issues like, uh, say, the church in Corinth or whatnot. Uh, and Paul, when he wrote this letter, and I know sometimes we, we uh, look at the New Testament and Paul's letters, a lot of that he wrote, and we break it up into chapters, which was really... A kind of a modern thing in the last 150 years we came with, you know. Um, I'd encourage you to read the letter straight through, you know, try not to break at each chapter. That's how it was intended to be read. And when Paul wrote this, he was actually um, in a prison cell in Ephesus uh, awaiting what we would know later to be his execution, his beheading. And so uh, there's a lot of dichotomies going on when Paul writes this. And we're going to dig in for the next couple of weeks about uh, what Paul is saying. And one of the things I'm going to take out is found in uh, chapter four. And there's a really potent verse. You know, if we talk about joy, how many want joy? Joy's a good thing, isn't it? I, I hate, you know, the frozen chosen, right? That shouldn't be us, right? Like, we should be joyful. It should set us apart. I don't know about you, but I want some of that. And, and what we're going to talk about today is, is contentment. This is what Paul's talking about. Contentment's one of those things you... I'm a Seinfeld fan. And uh, there's an episode where Jerry, <laughs> unbeknownst to him, uh, agrees to wear this puffy shirt <laughs> on live TV. And he's... He's arguing. He doesn't want to wear it. He already agreed. And, and uh, Kramer says, you know, you're, you'll be the new pirate. And Jerry says, but I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> and when we look at contentment, it's kind of like that. It's like, I don't want to talk about contentment. Like, it's just one of those things that, you know, we go, well, I'm going to, am I going to walk out of here and feel guilty? Like, what, what's the, what is the deal? And we're not, I don't believe that's what Paul's talking about here. I believe there's actually a secret, uh, a jewel, a nugget that you're going to get that if you get it, to change your, your life. It really can. Um, so uh, if you will, open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. We're going to start. And if you can, would you, would you join me in reading the scripture today, uh, starting with verse 11? I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place right now. We don't wanna walk out of here and just hear another message that tickles our ears. We don't want to uh, walk out of here with just, you know, a, a, we want it to be worth it, God. We want you to, to speak not just to our head and heart, but God, speak to our souls today. And some of us, we're, we're in situations that are beyond our control. Some of us are in good seasons, God, that we feel guilty sometimes about. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd connect the dots wherever they need to be made. Speak to us. Your people are listening. In your name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Uh, life is full of ups and downs. Would you, would you agree with me? In fact, if we were to graph this out, <clears throat> life would probably look a lot like what this <laughs> and this, right? Seasons that are good and seasons that are not so good. Seasons that are plenty, right? And seasons that are not so plenty. We see kind of this flux of up and down there. Now, you know, some of us say, I just, I wish, I wish it would just be, you know, a straight line. There's a medical term for that. It's called flat line. <laughs> it means you're dead. <laughs> All right. Thank God we're not dead. Okay. Uh, but this is the reality of life. We go through seasons. And honestly, th these seasons are, are, are the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Most of life we kind of live in, in, in some of these places. But it's true, we live in good seasons and bad seasons. We live in seasons that are plenty and seasons of want. Now, I know a lot of our assumption is we're talking about money. No, it's not always money, isn't it? There are seasons that we have plenty, right? That the bills are paid and, and vacations can be had. And there's sometimes seasons of want. There's seasons where the bills aren't getting paid where there is struggle. But it's not just finances too, right? This is, deals with everything in life. There's a fluctuation in relationships, right? We can have uh, plenty in, in our relationships. We can have the kids we wanted that we've been struggling to have. It can be friendships that we wanted. It can also mean lack of friendships, right? It can also mean I'm, I'm single, I want to be married, but I'm just, I'm in this place, right? It can mean the loss of friends in this lifetime. It can mean status, right? It can mean good employment for a season and it can mean getting laid off, right? And in a, in a flex zone, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. Does this make sense? We can't change that, that's just part of life. But what Paul is talking about, he's not addressing necessarily these issues, but he's more or less telling us that there's a gauge, if you will, right? A rating. And on one end, it's, you know, it's I'm, I'm happy, I'm, I'm happy, I'm satisfied, or I'm not happy, and I'm dissatisfied. And this is what Paul's saying in the scriptures. He's going, look, 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 look. In, in every situation, whether it's good, plenty, lack, want, in every situation, I'm satisfied. The word content, if you look it up in the dictionary, one of the words it tells you is satisfied, satisfaction. 
It's the image of, not of thanksgiving, like gorge yourself full, right? Like tap your tummy, it's like a rock. That's, that's not, it's, it's I'm with good friends, a good meal. You go, I'm, I'm satisfied. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is what Paul's talking. This is the actual Greek word he uses there. It's a, it's a self-satisfaction, but not a self-satisfaction that comes from self, but self is satisfied. And he's saying, I don't care what situation I'm in. And, and listen, Paul gets it. He's been through all that. He's saying it doesn't matter because no matter what the situation, the secret of contentment is that I'm satisfied in every situation. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not always my life. <laughs> right? Can you relate? Because I find a lot of my life, my satisfaction comes with where I'm at on this scale. If things are not going good, if I'm in want, my satisfaction might be down here. Or if it's kind of in the middle, my satisfaction might be determined in the same place. And Paul's going, I want to teach you a secret, a secret that will change it a secret that will allow you to be satisfied no matter the situation in church. Can I tell you how frustrating this makes the enemy when you are content and satisfied no matter what happens, no matter what, we're throwing everything we can, the good, the bad, it doesn't matter. He's content. Like, think about Paul. I mean, the dude, in one part, he describes, I've been whipped, I've been changed, I've been shipwrecked, I've been sawed in half. I, okay, he wasn't sawed in half, but, but he might as well. I mean, good grief. They, everything's happened to this guy. And, and, and yet he says, I'm steady Eddie, man. I'm satisfied. Paul's writing this from a prison cell. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's talking about. There's a secret here. And it's a secret available to you and me and also can you imagine what those looking at the church would see if our satisfaction was found up here, no matter what the situation? Have you ever been around a Christ follower who is sick, right? Who is lacking maybe cancer or something, and there's just this contentment. This, it's not denying the facts. It's not denying the season, but there's this satisfaction still. And it's like, man, I want that the world could see that, I think it would attract them to this God that we serve. So I want to break down because this verse, this, this portion of scripture is potent, man. It, it's like a, a powder keg getting ready to be lit. And if, it, if you activate it in your life, I'm telling you, it's, it's a secret that so many of us uh, would love to have. Here we go. You ready? Let's break this down a little bit. So Paul says in Philippians chapter 12, he says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, and then get this, whether living in plenty or living in want. If you're taking notes, write that down, to be in want and to have plenty. Let's talk about this. Because sometimes we read this and we go, um, okay, that's a huge dichotomy, right? We go, plenty is, is having excess, it's being rich, you know, beyond my wildest dreams, and, and, and the want is having nothing, right? Even the poor widow in, 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 the, in the story Jesus uh, tells still has two coins with her. She doesn't lack, okay? 
And maybe the best way to kind of put it in our modern culture is to see it this way. Plenty and want, or maybe required and desired. Come on, say that with me. Required, desired. Anyone here ever shop at Ikea? (laughs) Anyone here had the joy of assembling an Ikea product? Yeah, I see the eyes rolling, I know. (laughs) One of the first things you see, right? There's no words in in an Ikea manual, it's just pictures. And one of the first pictures they give you is this item, right? Because it is what? Required. If you do not have this item, you cannot build, put together, fix anything. You have to have this. It's the requirement. But <laughs> you have something else. And in an Ikea manual, they actually X this out, don't they? <laughs> and they're like, uh-uh, because they know you guys. <laughs> they know you're just going to hulk this thing and destroy it. But there is a difference. Even when you're assembling anything in period, you have the required or the desired. The desired will make things go way better, right? It'll, it's, it's, it's comforting. It's, 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 it, it's actually a blessing, right? It makes things a lot easier. Your forearms will thank you so much, right? And when Paul's talking about plenty, about want, Maybe a good reference might be to say, okay, God's, God's really telling us that in your life you're going to have the required sometimes and seasons of the desired. Does that make sense? There's going to be seasons where you're not going to lack, okay? You're going to have the basics. Like, are you breathing? That's a good thing. <laughs> you need that in life, right? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have food? Like some of these basic things sometimes, and this is the dichotomy Paul is talking about. He goes, there's seasons of that. And there's been whole teachings where we celebrate and even go like, we should live in that. And then there's others too, in the prosperity gospel talking about life should all be lived. And it's not, Paul is actually talking about both seasons. Seasons of required that you're gonna just live on the bare bones. You're, gonna, you're not gonna have the excess, but then there are gonna be seasons of desired where things are gonna be good. Things seem to be happening well at the job and relationships are just working, right? The raise is ha- like all these things and you shouldn't feel guilty or, or worse for one or the other. Now, sometimes we confuse in Western culture, you know, desired from required, Right? Um, our boys uh, that we've adopted from Haiti, they've been home almost a decade now. And I remember to this day um, when we went to fly down to Haiti to uh, sign all the papers and, and make everything, do all the, the red tape that, that we needed to do. And one of them was we had to meet with their birth mom and dad. And we had to sign over saying that we weren't coercing them. And they were to sign over some papers saying we weren't trying to take them out without their knowledge. And so we went around to sign all these papers and it was awkward. They didn't know English and we didn't know Creole. And so there was this just really uncomfortable kind of awkward situation. And I went and signed my name and Kim signed her name and they went over to the birth mom and dad and they signed their name and did a fingerprint. And I said, oh, we're doing fingerprints. Uh, And they didn't sign their name. They just put the fingerprint. And I said, I didn't know we were doing that. And she's The interpreter said, we're not. They don't know how to write English or their name. So they have to do their thumbprint. 
And, and it was in that moment, I just, like, I know it sounds kind of silly sometimes, but I was just like, God, uh, how grateful I am. I, I, I know English. I know how to write my own name. You know, like, like even that is a desired thing. You know, and sometimes I confuse those. Sometimes in, in our culture, it's easy to go like, well, my, my required things are my desired things, right? How many of you here would say either one of us in our household or in our family own a car? Raise your hand. A lot of us. Do you know that 80% of the world don't own an automobile? You live within a 20 percentile of people that can have something like that. And I know it's not to make you feel guilty. I don't want you to walk out and go, I gotta sell my car now. Pastor Jake's made me feel, it's not about that. Sometimes though we gotta recognize that sometimes what we see is, 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 as required is sometimes desired too. Uh, Richard Foster in one of his books, he said, if you can go into the bookstore and actually purchase a book, you live among the wealthy. You know, and sometimes it's, and where it gets confusing is when we get to those places where it's just required. And, and you know, we, we won't go, God, I, I'm praying, I'm doing my due diligence, I'm, I'm, I'm tithing, I'm doing everything you asked me. You know, and, and we go, well, why aren't you showing up? Why am I not seeing anything here? And, uh, you know, paying my rent or doing this. We, we lived in a season or we went through a really hard time financially. And I remember just whining, really. God, why, why? like, we're, we're tithing, we're doing all that. We checkmarked all the boxes, right? Why am I, why can't I pay the rent? And I remember staring at a, a nice guitar that I had on the wall. And I go, okay. Is this required or desired, right? Is it a want or a need? And I sold it and I paid for rent that day because sometimes I confuse that. Do you, does that make sense? And that's not to make us feel guilty. It's not to, because we go through seasons of plenty and seasons of want. And those are just the situations. That's, that's part of life, what it is. Understanding that will help. Now, one of the ways that does help this, combat this, and the enemy hates is when you adapt this attitude of gratitude. When we become grateful, when we become, the, the Old Testament talks about the Jewish people, they, they're coming into the promised land, right? And God says, remember, remember, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Because when you go into the land of plenty of milk and honey, you're gonna think it's you that did it. You're gonna think it was by your might, by your skill. And it's not. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. Don't forget. Oh. And sometimes we do this. And, and, and act, having an attitude of gratitude, it helps combat that. My wife, uh, she's been doing this thing for a couple months where every uh, morning before she even digs into the scriptures, she just writes out three things that she's grateful for. Now, is that easy some days? Of course it is some days. And some days it's hard though. Some days you're in the low season, right? You're in the season of lack and the season of want and you're going, God. And forcing yourself, getting your mindset into looking and going, God, I have this, I have that. You've blessed me with this. I'm breathing now. Thank you. Thank you for this. This is why when you read the Psalms, like David, some of these songwriters, they almost like give themselves a pep talk, right? They're like, why so downcast on my soul? Put your hope in God. Like, you're like, what is this? Like, this isn't a worship song. They're, they're trying to get the attitude of gratitude. 
They're going, ah, my situation and what I'm looking at right now is frustrating. I don't have the things I need. Like, you know, I thought I would have this. I thought I'd be here. And I'm, God, I put my hope in you. I'm telling myself, God, I'm thankful and I'm grateful for what you have given me. And there are things that I lack and there's things that I don't have. I don't deny that. But there are things that you have blessed me with, those things that are required that I live with. Does this make sense? I love this potency, man. The second thing, Paul, that we want to extract here is, he says this in Philippians 12, I have learned the secret. Everyone say, learned the secret. Learn the secret of being content in any and every situation. Why did he pick these words? Learned. What does that tell us? It means it's something that we just, you didn't become a Christ follower and all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm content, baby. Woo! Like it's, 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 it's an art of learning. Like we learn to do this. We, didn't, we don't just arrive. In fact, we're continually learning this secret of contentment. Why does he use the word secret? That's interesting. What is a secret? Something hidden, right? Something not obvious. Maybe Paul is, is telling us there's this secret of contentment, this, this thing I'm gonna tell you, this, this, this key thing, it's not right in front of you. In fact, maybe the thing that you do see right in front of you is not the thing because it's a secret, it's elusive. It's not obvious to us. And see, this is what we do. We take these desires that we have, especially in our culture today. We say, well, I've been given, I have these desires, therefore I, sh- I should be able to fulfill those desires, right? I thirst for water, then there's water. I can have water, right? But we start applying this in the rest of our life, and this is what Paul's talking about. He goes, it's not obvious. You know, if you look at your marriage and you say, well, I have this desire for my spouse to be perfect, <laughs> therefore she should be perfect, right? And, and what we're doing, like, I expect my family to, to be like the Cleaver family, right? And be perfect, like have this, my job should have, a, I have this desire for a raise. Therefore, I should seek these out. I should, I should, and here's what Paul's saying. He goes, you know, it's not obvious to you. And if you do go for the obvious, it's almost like building a hundred foot by hundred foot house on a 50 by 50 foot foundation, it may hold for a bit. We lived near Philly. There was, a, there was a North Philly. They had these row houses they were building for a long time that were built on smaller foundations. And the soil, the soft soil will hold it for some time. There may be a season where you gratify that desire because of that. But how many of you know it will crumble under that. If your desires for your spouse or your marriage to be the perfect thing and you put all the weight of that on them or they put it on you, hello, it's gonna crumble. Outside of God, any desire that we have, any appetite for more is never finally and fully satisfied. And therefore, you always want more. Jim Carrey, he, uh, he's the actor, you know, we all know Jim Carrey, the goofy guy. He said this about his fame and fortune one time. I thought it was very telling. He said, I wish everyone in this world could have fame and fortune and experience how much it doesn't satisfy. Because it's elusive. Paul says it's a secret. It's not the obvious. It's not the thing you're gonna gravitate to. Uh, when we first started out in ministry, 
Um, we uh, started at uh, Pastor Terry's church in Aiken, South Carolina. And uh, whether he was crazy or, or sane, I don't know, but he hired us and we took this youth ministry of about 30 kids. And I remember earnestly, man, I had all the tools, came out of Bible school, I knew what I was doing. Like, okay, here's how we're gonna do it. And I prayed earnestly, God, give us 300 students. We wanna reach 300 students. That's not a bad thing to pray for, right? That's a good, I'm on, God, you want this too? You wanna reach as many teenagers? For months and months and months, years even, we stayed at 30. I couldn't, and I was like, God, what's going on? We're, doing, we're being faithful, we're doing the work, we're praying, we're doing this. And I remember one time the Holy Spirit said, Jake, <clears throat> I haven't given you 300 students because you haven't learned what you need to learn with 30 students. Years later, we would pastor a youth group of 300 plus students. And I remember in that season, stopping and thinking about old Jake and going, if you had answered that, I would have failed. Because I didn't know what I need to know now. And if I failed, I probably would have blamed you too. Right? Hello? It's elusive. So those initial desires, although noble and sometimes good, we don't know what God has in plan. We, we don't know what's in store for us. We don't know what he's developing in us but we do have the secret of contentment. Third thing, I like this. Paul says this, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. He says this, and if you're filling in the notes, in any and every situation. In the good and the bad, in the highs and the lows, in the wants and in the plenty. In every situation, Paul's saying, I can be this and you can too. You mean I gotta fake it? Like, no. What we're talking about is something genuine here. You know what we do a lot though? As we play the win then game. <laughs> we say this, um, we look to the future and we go, when, when I get that job, then I'll be happy. When I have that relationship, when I can satisfy this sexual need, when I get the raise, when I have that healing, then I will be successful, happy. You, you fill in the blanks. And what we're doing is we're writing a story in a script that we don't know, one. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. Anyone read it? Some of you probably have. And it, it's a book uh, that he wrote. It's a dialogue between two demons. And they're dialoguing on how they can best trip up the saints and frustrate the enemy, God. And in one part, he says this. The two demons are talking and he said, listen, if we can bring up the past, that's good. Like, yeah, that can frustrate the saints, the believers. But if we can teach them to put their heart in the future, then we can really get them. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are you saying? I shouldn't look to the future. I shouldn't hope for the, no, 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 no. It's different. You're wired that way. We're wired for eternity. Those, those visions, those, those hopes and dreams, those are good. When you're putting your treasure in that, 
when you're putting your heart in that, then you're writing a story that you don't know, one, so when it crumbles or if it fails or if it succeeds beyond your wildest dreams, you may think it was you that did it or you may think God did it to you. Be careful. Be careful that you don't put, see, some of us, we, we, we put so much hope in that. We put so much trust in that. So much, our heart is invested in that. And God's saying, Jesus says it all the time. He's like, no, no, it's the present. Don't worry about tomorrow, right? Don't worry about what you're gonna wear. What, like the, if I take care of the birds and the lilies, I'll certainly take care of you. But don't get lost in the future. I'm here. I'm in the now. I'm in the present. And I wanna do something here in this space. This is what Paul's getting to. This is what he's saying. In every, in any circumstance, it doesn't matter. I can be satisfied. What is the secret? Now, Paul says this one sentence. He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And as soon as he had, as this had been read in the church of Philippi, something would have triggered them in that context of the culture that they lived in. Much like if I had said to you just the simple phrase of, you know, uh, build the wall, right? If I said build the wall, some of us, we'd go, okay, he's just talking about just building a wall. But if you live in this time and culture, you know it means something political too, right? Because we live in that context. As soon as the church in Philippi would have heard this sentence, they would have said, wait, 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 are you talking about the Stoics? You see, the Stoics were a group of people in those days that were uh, Greek philosophers. And they had a lot of good things to say and a lot of interesting things to say that we kind of disagree with. But one of their kind of uh, thesis, if you will, their, their ways or patterns of life was this. They, they said, you know, I know we, we live in these plenty and the wants, but if we can just in our life pretty much just stay here in the middle so that, you know, if you have plenty, you should, you should bring it down here, right? Like you shouldn't have material things. You shouldn't have, you know, the, the seasons of, of blessing. Like you should live down here and therefore these things will also come up here and, and you live just kind of in the middle there. Maybe you even heard teachers in church preach this before too. Like you need to suffer, you need to have, you need to sell everything you have and this and that. This is not what Paul is saying. The fact that he even brings it up is so interesting because he's combating exactly popular theory or thought in that day. I, I wanna read to you um, a guy, his name is Seneca. He was uh, one of the kind of founders of um, the Stoicism and, and uh, he actually would go on to, to train and teach uh, King Nero. I don't know if Emperor Nero, you know, if Roman here, he's bad, bad dude, bad dude. Um, anyways, uh, he, w he wrote this, and I want you to hear it and see if you, if you agree with it or not. So see what, what, what's good in it and what's not. He says this, um, true happiness is to, is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future. Not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears, to rest satisfied with what we have, which is sufficient, for he that is so wants nothing. The greatest blessings of mankind are within us and within our reach. A wise man is content with his lot, whatever it may be, without wishing 
for what he is not. Now, how many of you read that and you go, that sounds good, <laughs> right? I mean, at face value, I read it. I'm like, sounds like a, a popular thing. If you've dove into any of modern culture today, minimalism, anyone heard of this? This is a popular belief that's going, a, a lot of Stoic beliefs kind of come or have, have expanded into minimalism. And, and there's some valid, valuable uh, teachings within there, but way different than what Paul is talking about here. You say, what, well, what's the difference? Well, first of all, Paul's saying, he's saying any and every situation. He's saying you're gonna have seasons of plenty and you're gonna have seasons of want, okay? The object is to not to try and minimize this, to level it out, but just live through it. It's a part of it. Can you be content within it? Because those circumstances don't dictate the situ the, the, your uh, contentment. And then, here's the big difference. Bring that quote up again, yeah. This is what he says. Maybe you, some of you caught this. The greatest blessings of mankind are within who? Within us and within our reach. See, this is subtle, but so clear. And this is where Paul is dividing. He goes, no, the secret of contentment, it's not found in you. It's not within you. It's not something that you can figure out, right? It's not something you can analyze in this room or go read a self-help book and just and determine how you can. No, no, the secret of contentment is something else. It's not found within you. It's something much deeper. C.S. Lewis in his book, um, the, the Problem with Pain, he says this. We have these natural desires. You know, uh, a baby wants food and there's food. A duck wants to swim in water and there's water. If you have desires in this earth that can't be satisfied by anything in this earth, then the only logical reason is to believe that you were not created for this earth, but something more. The secret of contentment is this, and Paul gives it to us. Oh, I love this. Verse 13, let's, let's read the whole verse though. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. Then here's the secret. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. <laughs> Paul is not you know, heading to the championship game. He doesn't have this tattooed on his, his arm, right? He, he's, he doesn't, he didn't Tebow it, you know, underneath his, uh, his eyes for a game, right? This isn't some, I know we read this verse, I could do all things as this big challenge. Paul is saying, this is the secret of contentment. That through him, I can do all things. Through it, not through me, <laughs> not through my situations, but through him. You see, he learned this, that what trumps all of this, no matter what your situation is, no matter the highs, the lows, the lacks, is it's about what trumps it is the relationship with the Father. 
you read this in the scriptures all over the place. If you read the Old Testament, if you read the New Testament, it, it almost bleeds through the text. Job talks about it. David, though, David, David did something interesting. He gave us an image unlike any other. In Psalms 23, I wanna give this to you. You know this, you've probably heard this, but I want you to hear it with new ears because it's at the core of this thing. Psalms 23, one, listen to this. David says, the Lord is my what? The Lord is my what? The Lord is my what? I don't need a thing, I lack nothing. How can he lack nothing? Because he's the shepherd, he's my shepherd. See, we don't understand. It's hard for us to grasp this because we live in Western civilization, right? Modern times, you know? How many, any shepherds in here? I'm just curious. That's what I thought, okay. Right, it's hard for us to picture this, to see this. But, but a sheep needs three things. It's really simple. They need to know they're fed. They need to know that they can drink water and they need to know they're safe from enemies. And that's it. Like, that's the basics, and if you were to go to modern Middle Eastern, anywhere, modern Turkey, Israel, you could still see shepherds today. Ken Bailey wrote this book, The Good Shepherd. If you want to dig in, man, it's a great book. And he, he paints this picture a little better because this is what we translate. We say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. If you're a shepherd and you work with sheep, in the context of this, you know you can't make sheep do anything. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> be quiet and settle down. You, you just can't do it. Like, be relaxed. Just be content. You, you can't do it. The only way they can relax is when they're fed, when they've had enough to drink, and they know they're safe. Right? Kent Bailey says this, within the context and, and the original word, the better way to phrase this is, he settles me down in green pastures. I like that. That's what the shepherd does. That's what he's doing in my life. That's what he's doing in your life is he's leading you too. He settles you down in green pastures. If you were to go to Israel today and, and you were to see a flock of sheep and, and shepherds, this is my, what, you, what, what you might see here. All right, this is modern day. Like you see this all the time. And you may say, Jake, uh, where's the green pastures you're talking about, right? Anyone wonder that? Is it the green thing? No, those are trees back there, okay? That's not the green pastures that David's talking about. If you go to Middle East, if you go to Israel and see this, nine months out of the year, this is what sheep are eating. And you say, well, there's nothing there. No, there's stuff there. It's kind of like dry grass, right? Like hay. It's probably not the best to eat, but it's something to eat. But during the rain season, in three months out of the year, this is what you see in the same valley. That, my friends, is green pastures. Go ahead and bring up that next picture. And this is what David is telling us. This is what Paul is talking about. There's gonna be seasons that you're gonna have to just eat hay. Right, that, you, that it's gonna be lacking. It's not, the be, it's not the desired thing, but it's the required. And then there's seasons that you get to settle in green pastures. And should you feel guilty about it? No, no, enjoy it. Don't forget, it's the shepherd that gives it to you. It's the shepherd who led you to it. 
I'm a frosting guy. <laughs> Any people love frosting on cake? Yeah. Yes. I love, I'm the guy that gets the corner piece, you know, because it has more frosting all over it. You know, I thought I grew out of this, but no, I still love it. I love it, love it, love it, right? I, I don't know which demonic force came up with this whipped ice cr- icing like anyone. I don't know what this is, but I want the good, I want the butter Crisco. Sh- I want to feel the sugar grains in my teeth, baby. Come on. Now, if I went to my doctor and said, hey, doc, um, I'm going to start a new diet. It's called the icing diet. <laughs> what do you think he's going to tell me? <laughs> You're going to die soon, <laughs> right? Because cause he knows, he knows, and I know this too, that icing's good, and I'm grateful when I get the icing, but if I had a steady diet of it, it's not healthy. It's not good. You know, and, and there are going to be seasons when, when you get to enjoy the ice and enjoy the icing. Don't forget, God, God blessed you with it. But then there's going to be seasons where it's lettuce, right? <laughs> like it's, yeah, carrots. There you go. Hey, right? God is still providing the secret of contentment, though, is trusting and knowing the shepherd. It's knowing him. This is why Job, if you've read the story of Job, Job's, this is a crazy story. Guy has everything. He has uh, wealth. He has, you know, a steady income. He has family, uh, you know, good stature in, in the town. And then because of one conversation between God and the devil, he loses it all. And one day, all of them, family dies, cattle dies, like everything. He, lo- he gets sick, like even his physical health, he doesn't have, he loses it. What's his reaction? If it was me, it was like, God, I like the icing. Like, give me, give me the icing again. What is this? What is going on? And this is what he says in Job 23, or sorry, Job 120. He says, at this, Job got up, tore his robes and shaved his head. So he's still, he's mourning. Like, there's still a part of the feeling there. But then he fell to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. How do you, how can you say that? How can you say that? Because he knows the good shepherd. Because he trusts the good shepherd. Because he knows I'm not in a good place right now. And I was, blessed be he. And I may not have it, but naked I came and naked I will leave. Blessed be God. You know what's crazy too? Is his theology was bad. Like he says, you know, God takes away and God gives. God didn't take this away. It was the enemy that came and attacked. But despite his bad theology, what he thought was happening, the story he wrote in his mind, it didn't matter. Why? Because of the shepherd. Because of the trust in the shepherd. Because the leaning in of the shepherd, he's able to say, despite my circumstances, despite the highs and the lows, blessed be he. Blessed be he. We sang, and Donnie talked about it, the song Jaira, which translates to provider. 
If you've studied the scriptures, you know there are multiple names for God, right? Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Jireh, right? And all of these mean, have different names, Jehovah Comforter uh, or God Provider. These are different names. You go, why are there all these different names? Did you know that Eskimo have 11 words for snow? Why? For us, it's just snow, snow, snow. To Neskimo, though, they know the nuances. They know the difference between this snow and that snow. Jaira. It's a part of the Good Shepherd. It's an essence of Him. And when you know the Good Shepherd, you, you're able to tap into that. You're able to say, God, I, I don't know why I'm in this situation, or God, Thank you for blessing me in this season. Blessed be he. Blessed be he. You are good. You're always good. That is the secret, church. And if you can get this, it'll change everything. It'll allow you to go through good and bad and see that it's not you. It's not within you. It's because the good shepherd he loves you and he wants you. Jesus, I want to close with this. Jesus wants this so bad for you. This relationship, this kind of relationship, the shepherd relationship, he wants this so, how, let me ask you this. How good of a relationship do you think God the Father and Jesus had? Like this, right? I mean, Jesus said, I don't act, I don't say anything outside of my father. Like this, when, when, when Jesus, you know, uh, God turned his back on him on the cross, he said, why have you forsaken me? It's because he turned his back on him. That relationship was like this. Jesus wants you to have this relationship, that shepherd relationship so bad that he was willing to go to a cross, die for your sins, pay the penalty, be separated from his father so that you could have that same relationship. I don't know any greater love, man. And he offers it for you. And you could sit in here and you can self-analyze all you want. You can say, Jake, I already read books on this. I already know this. And, and, and if you walk out of here and say, like, I, I don't have the faith of Paul. I don't have the faith of David. I don't get this. Then guess what? You've already made your decision by distrusting because it just takes trust. Say, my faith's not that great, Jake. Guess what? Jesus says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, it's all you need, baby. It's all you need. Do you want that today? Could you imagine what the world would think of us as Christ followers if in any and any, circum, in any, and any circumstance, we're satisfied because the good shepherd has been good to us and he will continue to be good with us. Let's pray. Father, I just want to say thank you that um, you could have chosen to be a God that was separate from us, that distanced himself from us, and yet you lived among us. And you sacrificed and you covered our sins so that we can join back with the good shepherd 
And God, we will go through seasons of lack and seasons of want and seasons of plenty and seasons of, of good fruit, God. May we never forget that you are Jehovah Jireh, that you are enough. You're enough. And that's all I need. Naked I came and naked I'm gonna leave, but God, if I don't have you, I don't have anything. May you bless your people, God, not with things and materials and relationships and status, but more than that, may you bless us with your presence. May you bless us as Jehovah Jireh. We say this all in your name, we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. amen.